sex-starved lollipops. That's our, we're no longer lifelong friends, we're sex-starved lollipops. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends, three sex-starved lollipops gather to talk about video games. I'm Chad Michael Linus. that's Holden DePardo. Hello. And you're you, and that's why we love you. God, it feels so good to be back in the saddle again. Uh, I want to start by giving a huge, ginormous thank you to one very special person in my life. Trevor Bettis. Asa Gray. And Trevor Bettis, who are, to me, one person, two parts of a whole, (laughs) three to tango, cinco to cuatro, five um there we go one two three four five did a whole thing thank you for filling in while i was in china last week if you're interested about what i did while i was in china listen to affable idiots the week after this week because uh, we didn't get around to actually talking about china on this week's episode <laughs> but thank you to those guys for filling in making this episode great thank you to holden for editing a really dope great sounding audio track for everything and running the episode it was wonderful it was like a proud dad moment when i could from across the globe listen to my own show without me on it and everything was great and i was super interested and i was even <laughs> texting people during it like while i was listening it was like wait you can actually do this or oh my god i'm so excited to hear you talk about this uh, it was great it was a wonderful moment for me and i loved it thank you for showing me how to edit the podcast because it wouldn't have happened <laughs> it oh. would have been a disaster my ego is big enough but thank teacher. you thank you <laughs> tell me more good things about myself <laughs> tell you me i'm funny hair. tell me i'm pretty Oh, man. I was. Uh, your headphones I, are cool, and your guitar behind you looks pretty awesome. Thank you. I dated a girl who, <laughs> in 98% seriousness, would be like, tell me I'm funny. Just tell me I'm pretty. And I would, because she was fishing for it, I would be like, I can tell you one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I am a terrible boyfriend. I'm a terrible boyfriend. Because I will always value comedy over those I love in my life. <laughs> um anyway uh it's great to be back we're gonna start if this it week. hurts them it was worth it for the joke and if, if they it don't makes me that... laugh that's all that matters <laughs> so okay so one other one <laughs> one other one in college i woke up next to this girl who was my girlfriend at the time so it's not as promiscuous as it sounds but i woke up and i used to wear cologne by david beckham and i woke she kind of wiggled me awake she's like hey good morning and I opened my eyes and just kind of did that look at her. And she goes, you smell like David Beckham. And I went, you smell like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed so hard because literally within milliseconds of being awake, that was the first. I was like, oh, I have a weighted response to, to this. Like, I can't even open my eyes fully yet, but I am spot on with the comedy. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> Uh, now you know why none of my relationships last longer than three months. Um, we're going to start this week. I can't imagine why. <laughs> we're going to start this week with talking about playtime, what we played this week. Um, Holden, you have two things that you've played that I want to learn about, and then I have five yeah. things that I played that you want to learn about. So let's talk mm-hmm. about them to each other. So here's the thing. I want to learn about yours first, though, because you played Untitled Goose Game, and I really want to know what you think of Untitled Goose Game. Great. I'm going to talk through two things real quick before Untitled Goose Game. One, I played Destiny 2. When I got back from China, that was the first thing I did that day. I got back like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I unpacked my bag, and then I played Destiny 2 because I had to play it. Literally texted it me. He's like, Holden, we're going to play Destiny 2 right now. Oh, that's right, because you were online playing something. And I was like, hey, do you want to yeah. play Destiny 2 real quick? 
and we didn't and play I stopped playing the game I was playing. I uh, finally got the 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 werewolf gun, werebriar, whatever the fuck gun, and it's like light level nine fifty or sorry, power level nine fifty, uh, and it's super dope. Beat all the quests for that. I am up to like power level nine fifteen or nine eighteen or something like that, and I'm so pumped for this raid. We need to know: Are you raiding with us? It happens this Thursday, November seventh, six p.m. Pacific time. Raids have to be six people. Well, at least six people. Like. A maximum of six people. So we need to know, kind of going into this one, who's going to be there. If it's a lot of people, we got to figure out, like, is it a first-come, first-serve thing? Are we doing two different groups? If it's not enough people, we got to know who to call in to say, hey, we might need you. So if you are planning on raiding with us this Thursday, as you're listening to this, go right now to patreon.com slash fire. There is a post called, are you raiding? And I want you to comment on it. La Ciudad de Mexico. When, the, when you comment on that with that response, I know that means, yes, I'm raiding. If you don't spell it with the proper <laughs> accents on the A's, etc., then it doesn't count. Um, great. Destiny 2. Sucked in. It's going to be the rest of my life. Metal Gear Solid. Played this on my Vita on the plane. Beat it. It was our barf game for October. If you want to learn about that, we literally just recorded it like 10 minutes ago. Great discussion. Lasted longer than we both thought it would. Sexually. Um, this month's barf game, November, Backlog Accomplishment with the Respawn and Friends, is Holden? Undertale. Undertale. Uh, uh, Undertale. I'm the Undertaker. I don't even know who the Undertaker is. I just know it's a WWE thing. And Ace is into it. It's also... Actually, I was thinking it's an Incredibles thing. Oh, Underminer. That's the Underminer. Underminer. Yeah. Underwear. Very close, though. Um, Yeah. Under there. Underwear? I made you say underwear. Sorry. Go ahead. Play Undertale. It's great. Uh, Also, tell us about your experience with it throughout the month. It is a relatively short game, or it could be the longest game you've ever played in your life, depending on how you play it. Great. Let's get into the other games that I played this month, this week, this two weeks, however long it's been since I saw you. Uh, I played Untitled Goose Game, Return of the Obra Dinn, and Metro Exodus. Let's talk about them in that order. Boom, Untitled boom, Goose boom. Game. Played this on the Switch, on the airplane. First of all, just again, what a wonderful system the Switch is, that I can be in a seat on an airplane playing this game, enjoying the little penis off myself. Um, and, and playing it, and it is a gorgeous game. I love the art style, like the painterly aesthetic. I think it is super funny. Like you're hiding in a bush in the very beginning, and you're just like, what do I do? And you push a button, and you go, honk. It's like, oh, uh, I get this game. I get it. <laughs> you're walking around. It's teaching you how to like spread your wings and shit like that, and you're like picking up pieces of trash. <laughs> what a charming little experience it was. Um, I, so I played it on the airplane for... Uh, I got through the, what is it? The very first one is the, the farmer guy, right? You go to the, the farmer yeah. guy, you go through all of those quests. I thought they were uh, like the different, I love having the to-do list of things. Like there are games where you're like, you can do anything and, and interact with the environment in so many ways. But if I don't, if I personally don't have a checklist of like, I need to also do these things, then it becomes a big waste of time for me and I'm not interested. So having that to-do list of all the things you need to do in this area in order to progress, I was like, good, glad this is here. And I just worked through that list. And then I also discovered something extra where you lock him out of the gate. I was like, ha, 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 motherfucker. <laughs> uh, then I got to the next one, which is the lady and the hairbrush. And I'm sorry, the, the hairbrush is one of the many items that you have in that. But it's the little market with the shop and the kid running around with the glasses and the plane. Uh, spent about 20 minutes there, and then I gave up on that game. And, uh, Are you done? I'm done. Quit. All done. Uh, you sound I, like you were really enjoying it, and then you're like, and I'm finished. <laughs> I was. I love... There are so many great things about this game, but after 
spending 20 minutes dragging the same fucking hairbrush away from that market trying to hide it from her so that I could get the rest of the items to put in the basket and then she would discover it or she'd chase me away and then I'd finally get like seven things all kind of off screen and then I'd go and the boy would get distracted and then she'd walk over and find all of them like fuck and so I spent so long trying to distract her and then getting caught and all oh, this and it was like nah that's hilarious because I had that basket filled with stuff on the other side of the bench next to her nope Nope, immediately as I put one thing in the basket, she'd grab I it out. And then I was like, well, all. let me try to like gather the stuff away from the basket first. And I was like, successful. And then she found the whole pile after like 15 minutes of work. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> so um, uh, I love that that game exists. I had fun with it. I think it's really cute and has great character. But it is not a Chad game. Can I tell you what happens in the game? This much is sure is the spoilers that we should warn people to stop listening for? It's spoilers we should warn people about, yeah. Okay, if you have not finished Untitled Goose Game, I want you to close your nose for the next <laughs> four, however many Leave seconds. Leave your ears open, though. So, that's the second of three levels. There's actually only three levels in the whole game. Okay. The next one is, like, a restaurant, like an outdoors restaurant. Like There's, like, a patty and everything. And once you get past that, you end up in a miniature golf course. And you're expecting, oh, like, what's this going to be the miniature golf course? This is interesting. There's no people around. But you get to the end of the golf course, and there's actually just this bell tower, like this little miniature bell tower. And you peck at it and start pecking at it until you destroy the tower. And then the bell fa- falls off. And you pick up the bell. And if you run, it starts to to uh, to ring really, really loudly. And the rest of the game is going back through those three levels you just did with that bell, trying to, like, stealth your way through. But if you run, everyone starts getting really annoyed <laughs> by the goose with the bell. And at the end of it, when you get all the way back to your, where you start off, you drop the bell in a hole that's just a big pile of other bells that you had gotten. <laughs> And I love that so much because it's like these people hate the goose because they've seen him a bazillion times and they fucking hate that goose. I love He's that. He's always terrorizing this town. Like it's, I think it's such an amazing ending. I loved it so much. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely obscure. It's definitely very obscure with what like, – it's clear that it gives you a to-do list, but it's obscure in how to achieve some of those. Yeah, how the fuck do I make this kid put on a different pair of glasses? Like, oh, I you have no fucking clue. You like, tie his shoes together? And then when he trips and drops his glasses, you're supposed to take them, and he's looking around for his glasses. You go to the store, you get one of the glasses from there, and put it in front of him. He's like, oh, I found my glasses, and he puts them on. That's way too much for me. <laughs> See, I like the Metal Gear Solid side. I'm like, how the fuck do I beat this boss? But if I call Colonel Campbell, he'll be like, switch your controller to the other port. I'm like, oh, thank God. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but if I have to figure out, I have to trip this kid. Uh, no, I, I, I love that this game exists, and I wish I... I wish it was my type of game, but even you're just telling me the ending there. I was like, this is, this is perfect. This is a great game. Just not yeah. for me. It's not my game. Uh, next up, I played Return of the Oberdin. This was a game that came out only on PC last year. It was nominated for a bunch of awards for like game direction, or sorry, art direction and something else. Um, but it just came to Switch. And I think everything else as well. But I downloaded it on my Switch. Yeah. I was really excited for this one too. I love that the art style... It, you can choose. You can switch between the original. Like it's, I think it's set up at first for like the old Macintosh, but then you can switch between all the different types of old computers, and it would like switch the color and the grain and all of these kind of things to make it look like all these other operating systems. Oh, really? Is that how it distinguishes the art style? Yeah, it's all by old types of computers. Interesting. It's not what I was expecting at all because it, look, it looks like it takes place in a boat, like an old yes. However, like ship. The, so it's uh, yeah. The the game does take place all on a ship. 
but you you can change the aesthetic to be like instead of white and black, it's green and black, or so it's like it's all based on the different type of computer oh, that you're playing the game on. It doesn't say does it say like old style computers though, or does it, it just does looks like, like it that? names all the the old like Apple computers and, and so Commodores nuts. or whatever. Not was expecting at all. Yeah, I thought that was a, I was like, oh, this is really interesting that it has that in there. So it's it's harkening back to those old computer game days with the visual style and then on the nose saying, hey, by the way, if you want to see what this looked like on a um, Atari whatever or an HP something or I don't I don't know any old yeah. computer stuff, but. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. But the game is... Um, it's a game that really ends whenever you want, whenever you feel like you have enough information. The whole thing is, there's something that's happened on this boat. Everyone's dying. Um, and you are on the boat after it all takes place, and you're kind of exploring, trying to piece together what happened. And you go from, like, little glimpse of... Uh, you go through little spots all over the ship and each of you each of them offers you a glimpse into the past of what had happened so you might come across a dead body and you look at it and it kind of goes into this like batman detective mode almost where you have like a freeze frame of what's happening and you can walk around that frame and explore and kind of see it from different angles as you approach a certain character they might like speak a line of dialogue that was said at that time and so you're like okay cool i'm kind of piecing together what happens and then you're going and going discovering more and more of these and the thing i didn't get right at first is that the ultimate goal is you have a notebook a diary and you have pictures of the entire crew like a, a big like giant group photo and it has like 35 40 people in it and you have to piece together who each person is <clears throat> and how they died and some of them even like their relationship to other people and so you can like go in and say all right this person if their face in the photo is kind of blurry or grainy and you can't quite tell, then you don't have enough information yet to figure out how they or who they are. But if you look at that picture and you can see their, fa- their face pretty clearly, like what you've experienced already has given you enough information to determine who they are and how they died. You've got to piece together the clues from what you've already seen. So the goal is to try to identify as... Uh, actually, I think it's like 60. I think there are 60 people. I try to identify all of these people all of the ways that they died and write it down in this diary. And then you can, when you think you've got enough information that you're done with the game, you can just be like, cool, I'm done. And that wraps up the story. Uh, so you can really, there's not really like a quote unquote ending to it. It's just like discovery of what happened on the ship. As soon as I figured that part of it out, I was like, oh, so I know that this guy is, he's writing a letter to a woman and he calls her by name. And I know that in this glimpse on the other side of the ship, I saw them together. And it's telling me that I have enough information. So I'm going to piece together that she was this person. They are married. And then I saw her dead from blah, blah, blah. So I can put that together. Cool. I've wrapped up her story. As soon as I figured out that that was the shtick of the gameplay, I said, I'm out. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, like a, it's like a 60 times 3. It's a 180-piece logic puzzle. And you know how I feel about puzzles. And Oh, the aesthetic is cool. You are going to hate Outer, War- uh, Outer Wilds, then. Great. I can't wait to hate it. Because that's very similar to what it is, just minus the detective mode. 
you're basically trying to piece together what happened to this like alien race. And you go to one planet, and you'll kind of be like, hey, okay. So saying this about this area, they mentioned this one observatory. I haven't been to that observatory. I think it's on this planet. Let me go to that planet and explore that area where you'll see more logs between the aliens and they're talking to figure out, okay, maybe I should go to this area as well. And you have to infer a lot to figure out what your next steps are going to be. All right. Can't wait to hate it, but I'm going to play it. Uh, so yeah, Return of Oberdin, I think is a really cool game if that's your style of game. Um, it does have a strikingly really cool art style, and I like the shtick of it. It's just not something I can put up with. But Metro Exodus, Metro Exodus. <laughs> so this is the game I told you. You have we have one game a month, uh, one game a year that we say you have to play this game, and mine was Spider Man for you. And then you told me a couple weeks ago mine is Metro Metro Exodus came out this year. Um, and to be, I want to talk about why I chose Metro for you. Go because for you hated Metro, um, the Metro twenty thirty three. Twenty thirty three. You hated yeah. it. Absolutely hated it. And it's. I want you to play this game because you hated the first one, and I feel <laughs> like this opens up a little bit. And I'm curious how much it changes. Gotcha. And I feel like you'd be a good judge of that. Because gotcha. if you like this game, it changed a lot. If you still hate it, you can. It didn't change that much. I'm going to. I've played. I'm going to preface this by saying. I've only played about two hours of it so far. And from HowLongToBeat.com, it's about 14 hours. Yeah. Um, I'm about to tell you all the ways why it's a bad game. It's a bad, <laughs> bad game. Have this, you gotten to the Volga yet, by the way? I think that's where I just got. Yeah, I just got off the train. I'm in this big open area where I'm running around. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I was like, done for today. Let me go play some more Destiny. Actually, no, I think I watch Apple TV+. Plus. I think I watch For All Mankind after that. Um, so this game to me so far in the first two hours feels like it's a game that nobody QA'd because I feel like there are so many things that they could have done to this game that like if someone had noticed that this particular mechanic feels bad or that this particular thing happens or this bug happens often enough that it should be fixed or addressed like I feel like nobody QA'd or even played this game none of the developers I feel like even played the game after they finished making it just to see if it was good um the biggest thing that is frustrating for me is the movement. How, if you, I didn't realize this until two hours in when I just got to the Volga, that if your gun is out, you move slower than if your gun is holstered. And when your gun is out, you, you feel like you're moving in molasses. But then you can sprint, but then it's like too fast for moving at a normal, like if I'm just exploring an area. And then I'm like, fine, I'll just put the gun away. But when you put the gun away, if you have to fire at something, it takes so long for you to take your gun out that it's obnoxious. It's awful. And then even, even when you're aiming down the sights, moving your cursor, moving your, your, um, your reticle is just like, it's so slow. And that, I'm sure I can go to the options and adjust that sensitivity on the stick, but man, movement is so sluggish on this. I, I, it makes me physically uncomfortable how slow, like almost a little claustrophobic <laughs> at how slow my characters. It's like when you have a dream and you're being chased by something, and you're running as fast as you can, and you look down, but you're only moving at like half of a mile an hour, and you're like, I'm moving my <laughs> legs as fast as I can. Why am I running so slow? That's what I feel like this game is. I um, agree with you, but I like that aspect of the game, because I think it's intentional, where it's supposed to feel like you have to take your gas mask off and change the filters on it. You have to... like charge up your flashlight there's all these things to kind of that effectively slow down the game but kind of add to this like this is a real environment this is a real we're kind of going for this realistic survival aspect to it i think that slowing down is a part of that 
Yeah. Um, so I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Here's a, here's a couple of other things. But uh, yeah, this is not necessarily a QA thing, but it's just like a, <clears throat> um, a low budget game thing that you've always described. This there's as a like lot of things. A like low that budget game, studio sure. with AAA aspirations is kind of how you describe this yeah. game. The character mm-hmm. models' facial expressions. <laughs> oh my god, they they don't yep. move at all. There are even times when a character's talking to me in a room. And if I move in the room, their head follows me, but their body doesn't. So, like, a guy's talking to me, and he's, like, gesturing towards me. And then I move, and he's now gesturing towards a blank wall, but his head's looking over to the side. And it's like, (laughs) that's something that could be easily fixed. The voice acting is abysmal, Holden. It is is. so bad. And the writing itself, (laughs) like, there there was a conversation on the train before you get to Volga. That I just like, I want to hit the share button right now and just save this and post it on Twitter. Be like, look how bad this is. All of the the things that they think Americans say that we don't actually say. Oh, old fart. Old fart. Oh my God, we ran over somebody. Oh, don't worry. It was just an old fart. Oh, an old fart. Well, they could have sent women or children. And then it was like, hmm, it's not 1994. We don't say old fart anymore. And also, you're using it completely out of context, and it wasn't even uh, like a funny delivery. No one, in the, no one in the room laughed at the term old fart. <laughs> Everything's very stilted, for sure. Oh, it yeah. Doesn't, yeah. Here's something that could have been fixed that I feel like if somebody would have just played it and noticed it. The sound mixing while I'm playing this, mm-hmm. there are two things that stood out to me. One, the levels of characters are inconsistent. Like, the sound levels of characters, like, there's a scene when Anna is talking to you, your wife. She's talking to you in, like, the first half hour of the game. And then her dad is behind her, and he is shouting at you. She's talking at a normal vo- volume. He's like, I can't believe it! And he's shouting at you. But her dialogue is louder than his, and he feels like he's shouting into a pillow. And it's like, well, one of these should be louder than the other. And then there's another one where in I'm in a van, and there's an old lady in the van with me. And she's talking to me. It's right after you get like kidnapped or something like that. But it says only in a van. And if I'm facing her, she sounds normal. And as I turn my character's head left to right, and she like goes into that left to right ear, suddenly they turn the reverb up to 100. And it's like, she sounds like she's talking in a really echoey, tile-filled bathroom. And I'm like, the direction of my head should not change the room <laughs> acoustics. Um, and then I texted you this. Missing- there's some missing sound effects sometimes too. We're like, oh yeah, early on in the game, like you get hit or something like that, and you see the animation of getting hit, but there's no yep. actual impact sound. There were yeah. definitely some sound issues like that. Yeah, sound effects. There was that same exact thing happened. Anna hits some guy in the head with a gun, but there's no sound to accompany it. Uh, I busted, I broke in a door by kicking it open. Zero sound for that. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it to, awkward. It, it does. It really yeah, really awkward. Yeah. Two more bad things. One, the game does not do a good job, as we've kind of seen in the past, my discussions of 2033 with the lighter and the spider web, it doesn't do a good job of explaining what you need to do in certain situations. For instance, I didn't learn how to patch a hole in my gas mask until after I had already died from gas mask having a hole in it like five times throughout my first two hours. And then finally, they're like, to patch a hole, use the same button we told you earlier was for wiping it, but now it's suddenly for patching it instead. I'm like, oh, 
why didn't you tell me this an hour and a half ago when I died five times from having a broken gas mask? Because there's in the previous games, if you got a broken gas mask, you have to find another gas mask. So I was frantically running from enemy to enemy trying to find a gas mask, and that's not a thing in this one. So then finally, two hours later, like, oh, by the way, remember that time you died all those times? This is how you fix it. Well, thanks. Because before you told me that button was just to wipe it clean. <laughs> and then the other thing, oh, sorry, two more things now. I am constantly, constantly clipping through objects in the environment and getting stuck. Like, there's a lot of, what I love about this game is the aesthetic in the environments. And I feel like this is what we talked about me liking of 2033 is that I like the environments and the lighting is cool. And the same thing holds true for this. Um, but there are, there are so many parts of the open world and in the subway tunnels where there's like debris and wrecked cars and shit like that. And I'm, I'm just constantly like trying to jump on a car so that I can get to another area. And then like my foot gets stuck in the windshield or like I'm caught in between a car and a rock and like can't move and I have to clip my way out of it. It happens to me a ton. And then of course, a game breaking bug uh happened to me 25 minutes in the game breaks and i can't move forward i spend about 15 minutes trying to figure out what i was doing wrong and i'm it's this a part where uh you have to follow anna it's the very beginning of the game you have to follow anna there's like a herd of animals running at you and you have to like hide from them and then after they go then you can continue and she lifts you up but uh i didn't realize this was broken but the herd comes through and then i walk out in the area and she kind of hangs back I'm like, okay, where do I go from here? And everything's kind of fenced off. And the only thing that's over there is like an open area, like a five-foot open section. And it looks like it drops down onto solid ground. I jump down. Turns out that's not solid ground. It's water, and I die. I'm like, okay, cool. Go back in. It's like, that shelf looks high enough that I could probably jump to it because I saw a beast jump up to it. And that, nope, couldn't do that myself. And I walk around for 15 minutes, and I'm literally saying out loud, I hate this fucking game. I hate this fucking game. The signposting <laughs> is terrible. And then I look up a walkthrough, and... I couldn't figure out what to do. So then I look up a video walkthrough and I'm like, wait a minute. Anna's talking to this guy a bunch in his walkthrough. She's progressing forward. Oh, and then she goes up to this wall and offers to help him up and they boost each other up. In my game, she hangs back. She's completely silent and she's not moving at all. I'm like, oh, so it was just broken. So I loaded an earlier save file from like three minutes before that. Get to the scene. She does the same thing. It's broken. So I have to restart the game after playing half hour of it but really like 45 minutes of being frustrated with it so that was my experience so far with metro exodus is not good <laughs> it is going to take me a while probably past the end of the year in order to finish it but i will finish it um <laughs> that is the most i will talk about it until i'm done with it though just want you to know that i am not having a good time i hope your experience is, is better i agree with a lot of what you said i think the animations being awkward the voice acting kind of being uh, uh, not super great. I didn't have any trouble, problems with clipping in it. I didn't have any game-breaking bugs like that. Um, but I think a lot of the... Again, like the whole AAA developer with... Sorry, uh, AA developer with AAA aspirations is definitely a theme throughout the game. I think what hopefully will get better about it for you is that the story becomes... It's very, very story-heavy in the beginning of the game. And when you get to the Volga and things start to open up, it... it I think it's going to get better from there for you, but we'll see. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Holden, you played a couple of things. Tell me about them. I did play a couple of things. So I played Outer Worlds. I uh, Trevor Bettis was talking about it when he was here, and he just he convinced me to get it. I couldn't resist. That game is fantastic so far. I haven't played too much of it, 
but it is absolutely a Fallout Skyrim Bethesda style game, and it just does it way better than. than so this them. is Worlds. This is not Wilds. Yes, this is not Wilds. This is Worlds. This is the first person shooter RPG. It is the world is hysterical, where it's basically this heavily corporatist world where even corporations have their own armies and everyone's beholden to some sort of corporation like there's this one guy and he's dying and before he dies he has to say the slogan for his company and he's like, oh, i got that wrong like let me do it again it's it's really it's just chocked full of that stuff Sometimes sounds like we'll you might like over- borderlands but here's the thing about and i like borderlands if i liked the the shooting better and they had his fun rpg elements but uh, part of what makes this game so fun too is the the dialogue options are amazing. They you could be so dumb funny. in this, right? You, like, I, dumb is an I attribute. See, the problem is, is that I didn't lower my intelligence enough to get the dumb responses, so I haven't seen any. Okay. But you can really do a lot with the dialogue, and it's really it's been amazing to me so far how variable the situations are. Right, there's this one mission that I did where it was about diverting power, either to the city or to these kind of outcasts who left the city because they didn't like working there. And I had the option of diverting power to either or. And I'm like, okay, well, it's a very black and white situation. But it wasn't. And the way I played it out was actually was divert the power to the city, but then convince the people who are the outcasts to come back to the city. But they would only come back to the city if I convinced the the kind of heads to uh, of the city to effectively resigned because I had to convince him he didn't do a good enough job. This other person in the outcast would do a better job. And so, like, it really wasn't as, you know, A or B option as I is right. initially seemed. And there was a lot of... It wasn't a massive like, Paragon Renegade choice. It was, like, exactly. it was gray area. But I'm really... It's gray area. But I really... I'm glad you brought up Mass Effect because I'm getting some hardcore Mass Effect vibes just in the sense of you are... As you're traveling around these different planets, you're getting a team together... And that those team members have missions that are specific to them. When you leave your ship, you have almost the same menu of picking which two party members you want to bring with you. It's actually ridiculous how it's the same exact screen. Um, but I'm just really enjoying it. I think it's super well written. It's hilarious. The world itself is just really cool to explore. Excuse me. And I think if you if you like Fallout, if you like Skyrim, you, you kind of have to play this game. It's a must-play for if you like that style of RPG. It's just fantastic so far. I don't really have anything to complain about. Like, it's been super polished. Actually, I have one thing to complain about. It's been super polished. Unlike Bethesda games when they launch, which are usually buggy <laughs> messes. But there is one bug in this game that really annoys me. And it does impact gameplay. Uh, mildly. And that's that the button to holster and unholster your gun is the same weapon you use to talk to people, to open doors. Uh. And there should be some sort of context where if I hit you know, uh, square to talk to someone, it doesn't unholster my gun, but it starts talking to the person while unholstering my gun, which then means that their dialogue option immediately turns into, whoa there, buddy, I wasn't trying to make any trouble, or something like that, where I'm like, I didn't mean to point my gun at you, I actually wanted to ask you something, but I can't do that. Or I would walk into a new building and all of a sudden my gun's out. Not a huge thing. But when I can't talk to certain NPCs, that gets annoying. But it doesn't impact any NPC that actually has story content. It's gotcha. more for kind of the more ancillary uh, NPC characters are just kind of walking around and might say something like a one-off line or something like that. But I've liked what everyone's been saying that I do kind of feel like I'm missing out. 
by not hearing those little one-off lines. Like, I'm kind of curious what these other citizens think about the world, and I feel like I've kind of missed out on that because of it, but that's a minor thing. Can you remap controls in that game? I haven't tried. That's a good point. So I like it a lot. I think it's a really, really good game. I don't know when I'm going to have time to finish it between Death Stranding coming out this week and then Pokemon uh. and, and Star Wars coming out the week after. Uh. <laughs> depending on how much i end up playing of death stranding we'll talk about that uh. <laughs> when we get to the reviews um spoiler we'll be talking about the response to the reviews for death stranding i also played luigi's mansion 3 and i'm pretty close to done with the game i've been powering through it because i just love it so fucking much it is awesome so far it is also easily the best luigi's mansion game i think the puzzles easily. are because you yeah. love other Luigi's Mansions. I do, I do. What makes this game so good is, first of all, it's I think it's funnier than the other Luigi's Mansion games. I think it's way funnier. And the, the puzzles themselves are fantastic. They're really head-scratching. I was surprised because they're usually not super difficult. But I really had to like think about, okay, what is this environment trying to tell me right now? What can I do in this environment that I can't do in other floors of this hotel? So I really had to think about the puzzles a lot, which is kind of nice. And also it's fantastic boss battles. The boss battles are all so good. I have loved every single one of them. One of them is you go to this uh, grand hall and there's a ghost playing a piano and then he possesses the piano and you're fighting the piano. And he'll like throw the keys at you. He'll like pop. You have to get him when he pops out of the top of the piano. Like it's just the the piano boss is really good. Every boss has a really unique element to it that makes you interact with the game you hadn't interacted with it before. I just really love all the boss battles. I think they're all fantastic. Um, if you've played Luigi's Mansion, you have to play this game. If you like Nintendo games, this is a very 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 Nintendo game. It has that kind of just feel of oh, I'm playing with this toy. And I want to just use my vacuum everywhere and see what kind of funny stuff like pops up. It's, I I think it's charming. I think it's awesome. I think like I didn't even realize this. My brother pointed this out to me. If you hit any button on the D pad, like Luigi will just say Mario and just call it to Mario. Like Mario. Just, like, little, yep, little details like that. I think are fantastic. It's just a great game. It's so much fun. And I guess what I like about it too is it's, it's harder than I thought it was going to be. That's kind of the thing that's sticking with me is that I have to think about the puzzles and the bosses are actually can be challenging. Like, if it was first playing the game, like, this is going to be really easy. I won't even die. And there are a few points where I'm like, shit, this is really hard. I need to, like, think about what I'm doing so I'm not dying as often. <laughs> um, and the Guiji is a great mechanic. They oh, use yeah? Guiji really, really well. He's like, like there's the, even he's some boss... T-1000 Terminator what was that? and can, like, s- slide through shit, right? He's like the T-1000 yeah, Terminator yeah, and can, so, like, but- slide through grates and doors. <laughs> Exactly, but he's also really handy when, like, there's one boss battle, I won't say what boss battle it is, but it's really handy to have Luigi in more than one place at one time. I don't think it was an intended strategy for the boss battle, but it realized, oh, I can really utilize Luigi really well in this instance. It would work fantastically. And so I did it, and it worked really well, and it was kind of like a cool, like, oh, I don't know if I was supposed to do it that way, but having Luigi there really makes... It just works. I'll just say that. It just kind of works well. It just works. It just works. Also, it's just really satisfying when Guiji does travel through a grate or something like that. There's this kind of great little squishing sound when he goes through a gate of some kind. It's just awesome. It's Ew. good stuff. Ew. There are, 
And oh, the other thing too is all the floors. All the floors are really they're very unique. The first few floors are it's a hotel. This is the lobby. This is what the rooms in the hotel look like. And then it gets crazy. There's a floor that is it's like a pyramid theme so it's just big pyramid in the floor and you have to figure out how to get inside the pyramid and then the pyramid starts filling up with sand so you got to escape from the pyramid while the sand's like rising up and then there's another one that's like a production studio and so you have all these like, tv monitors that you can travel in and out of sounds like this one. should have a pretty bad review on TripAdvisor. i hope you <laughs> left one i did i went to TripAdvisor. the hotel we just mentioned three was they tried to drown confusing. me with sand <laughs> so i think all the levels are really good there are some areas that are shorter than others and we bet shorter is you get there there's a hallway you have to walk down then a boss encounter like there's a very simple floor but then the boss encounter was so good i have a hard time complaining about it so overall this is a really really good game i liked it a lot um, and a lot of that too is just i'm a nintendo fanboy so like it has that charm for nintendo games I like so much so it speaks to me and makes me happy uh, but I do think it's a really well-crafted game. And I'm excited for more Luigi's Mansion games in the future because this has been selling pretty well, apparently, too. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Speaking cool, of cool. really well-crafted Nintendo games with that certain amount of charm, let's jump into our fetch quest and talk about Mario Kart Tour. It was downloaded... <laughs> <laughs> it was downloaded 123.9 million times in its first month, and four people continued playing it. Yeah, there's a lot of people, though. That is five times more than Super Mario Run. Yep. Yep. Um, Amazing. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see how many people actually paid for it or continued more oh, yeah. than one or two races. I downloaded it and stopped playing it after two races. Yep. <laughs> so I think I played four races and quit. Uh, next up, <laughs> Ubisoft's delayed titles, you guys talked about it last week, are also coming to PS5 and Project Scarlet. That's from Chris Moyes at Destructoid. Woohoo! Surprise, they're cross-gen. Uh, 505 Games picks up Death Stranding PC publishing rights from Alex Calvin at PC Games Insider. The PC Games is coming next summer. So if you're not interested on PS4 and you want to avoid spoilers for eight months, you can definitely do that. This is new because it kind of contradicts what they've been saying for years. EA looking to release more exciting remasters and new IPs in 2020 and 2021. Jordan Biazzo from GameRank says, since it was a fetch quest, I didn't actually read past the headline. Does that mean that we might be seeing a Mass Effect remaster? Maybe. And that's the picture that's used in the article, but that's just speculation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what exactly else are you going to remaster? For, FIFA 18? <laughs> Bringing back the fan favorite <laughs> FIFA 2014, or 2014, or 2004. We'll go back to 2004. That was a classic. They're going to call it FIFA 1420, FIFA. because it's the 2020 <laughs> version of the 2014 FIFA. Yeah, I mean, what a, it has to be. Or maybe that means, hey, we're going to be putting Battlefront 2 on PS5 as a remastered edition. I also think Mass Effect would just be a smart choice for them. Because here's the thing is, I don't think that remastering Mass Effect, even if they did just, just one, I don't think it'd be that expensive, obviously, compared to making a full game. Right. But based on how that sells, it'd be a good indicator of the interest for Mass Effect 4. Right. Because nobody wants Andromeda. And no, no one wants Andromeda 2. That'd be amazing if they came out. We're bringing back Mass Effect. Andromeda 2, releasing 2021 <laughs> on PS5 and Xbox One. Uh, and then Call of Duty See, Modern Warfare made more than $600 million in three days, says Thomas Franzese from Dual Shockers. Well, doesn't beat Rockstar's $1 billion in one day from GTA V, so... Call of Duty should shut the doors. They're done. Yeah, they're, they're, they're get a billion drowning dollars in a day. right now. 
No, that's actually that's super <laughs> impressive. Apparently, it's the best-selling Call of Duty. There are a lot of qualifiers on this statistic. It's like the best-selling Call of Duty <laughs> this generation in the first three days or something like that. That your grandma's with the trailer for. Honestly, I'm surprised at some of the reviews for this one. Usually, Call of Duty, despite our outside not playing it perspective being like, it feels trite and it's the same thing every year, even though we've never played it every year, but we assume it's the same thing. The reviews for this one, <laughs> the reviews for this one have been like seven fives to eight fives, and I'm like, interesting. I don't think I've usually outlets are like nine, nine point five out of ten. And it's like up for game of the year consideration, even though it never wins anything. But yeah, making money, making money, making money. Let's move on to our Microsoft Quest log. Talk about some Ninja Theory. Uh, they announced the Insight Project. Gaming the Mind to Master Mental Health from Dom Matthews, who is the director of Ninja Theory, via the Xbox Wire. Uh, they are working on, quote, an individualized and absorbing game experiences with, in, within which people can become an expert at recognizing, responding to, and ultimately controlling their own fear, anxiety, and other negative subjective experience. Uh, I think this is super cool. They say it's going to take several years to develop, but they want people to have an, like an open dialogue and uh, open approach to its development. I think this is a really, really cool thing. They obviously made Hellblade last year. It was, or was it two years ago? Yeah, it was last, last year. year. Yeah, was last um, year. they made Hellblade, which was a fantastic representation of psychosis, and I'm excited to see them kind of diving more into the mental health issues area. Yeah, I'm. I'm not quite sure what the project is though. Like, I don't know if it's a is it a game? From from or is what it like I've mechanics read, that they want to be able to put into other games. From what I've read, it is a game that helps you recognize mental health issues about yourself and how to conquer them. Okay. Whatever that might mean or look like several years from now. Yeah. If I had heard this from any other developer, I kinda go, eh, all right, whatever. This sounds like Nintendo saying they're gonna help you sleep better with their quality of life stuff. Pokemon Sleep! When is that Pokemon coming out? Sleep. Next year. Oh. But having this come from Ninja Theory, who did do a really good job, as you just said, with, with Hellblade, I, tr- I I feel like that they actually could pull this off, and I'm very interested yeah. to see. And they got they that Microsoft money now. It's a very skeptical claim, though. Like, we're going to help <laughs> you with, with mental health issues. Like, okay, that's been like a challenge for a lot of people, but good luck. But then I'm like, I, I'm curious what you're going to pull off. Yeah. I think that there's a chance you could do it. And then Microsoft revives Xbox All Access program and now includes a next-gen upgrade option from Michael McWhorter at Polygon. Uh, so in the past, we've talked about the Microsoft All Access. All Access, it's the like subscription-based way of paying for your Xbox. Uh, usually it's been available only at Microsoft stores. And that returns with a couple of added twists. It's available at other retailers like Amazon, and it will be rolling out to other places as well, like GameStop. Um, I think currently it's still only available at Amazon, but... You can buy an Xbox One S, all digital, Xbox One SAD, a regular Xbox One S, or an Xbox One X for monthly installments. You actually do, on all three of these, you save some amount of money. You're paying it off over two years um, because it comes with not only the console, but it comes with Game Pass Ultimate, which is $15 a month. It comes with that for the two years that you're paying it off as well. And for some of these bundles, you're saving like $200. For the One X, you're only saving like twenty bucks over the span of twenty four months, but it's another way to uh, another way to pay for things. But then the interesting caveat is the next gen upgrade option. So we all know holiday twenty twenty, we're getting whatever Project Scarlet is, and as you pay off eighteen months worth of payments, 
you can then upgrade to Scarlet. Basically turn in your Xbox and get a Scarlet after you've made 18 months payment and then continue paying monthly for Scarlet, which I think is cool. And then if you get the X, the one X, you can even do that at 12 months as long as you get it before the end of this year, which uh, is a really good way for Microsoft to say, hey, we know we have an Xbox coming out next year. And for those of you who are kind of in holding shoes and are like, should I get an Xbox right now? No, because I know I'm going to get one next year anyway. So like, hey, get one now, pay us money, and then we'll let you get the other one in its place next year. Um, Because of that, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? It's really tempting. It's extremely tempting. My only hesitation is what's the supply going to look like next year? That I'm a member of All Access, I want to get the Scarlet, but I want to get Scarlet like day one because I mean, podcasts, I want to be able to talk about you know what's going on with the new Scarlet. But if it's like I'm in this program and now I feel like I can't get the Scarlet because there's some sort of back order um, on All Access and I don't want to just buy one outright because I'm on the All Access plan and I'm just right. like, this is really tempting. I don't want to put myself in this situation. I have no, I'm, I'm really caught because this is kind of, exactly the circumstance that i'm in right now is i want to get an xbox i just get one next year the black friday deals look good but i don't know if i want to buy a console a year before a new one comes out but the one x deal sounds really tempting there are two things that kind of give me pause about this one of them is that and i'm wondering how much they can learn from things like apple's iphone upgrade program there it's incredibly similar to with that program down to even using the same bank bank. yes it's in one bank um but when Apple first rolled theirs out and the first upgrades came along, you did have that problem where it's like, well, it's time for me to upgrade, but you don't have the phone I want. And now I've got to wait and continue to pay on this phone that I don't want anymore. Mm-hmm. And they've kind of, in the, in the years afterwards, they've now introduced like, hey, you can get a head start by reapplying for your loan and things like that before pre-orders open so that when it's time to pre-order, you just hit a button and get your phone to make it easier to reserve your your phone and i wonder if like will microsoft kind of adopt that from the beginning and have some way to make these customers first in line or give them priority somehow yeah i think the priority would be the selling point for me where they could say hey you're gonna have a a, you know an extra week to pre-order because they want to make sure these customers get that that upgrade i'd be all for it they don't have to do that and a little part would be surprised i feel like this is one of those things is a lesson they need to learn as opposed to just doing it yeah um, and I wouldn't hold it against them if they didn't, but I do think that they should. <laughs> Here's my second thing. Yeah. Uh, they don't have control over that like Apple does. You can only get iPhone upgrade program through an Apple store or through the Apple online store. You can get this from GameStop, from Amazon, from Best Buy, and they all have their own pre-orders. They all have their own systems that go live for pre-orders at different times. Um, so I'm not sure how much control Microsoft has over that pipeline of how much mm-hmm. they can say... Yes, make sure that their pre-orders can get processed early or make sure that they can get this kind of loan up and running before pre-orders go live. Uh, And then what if you order it through Amazon? Or here's another example. You order it through GameStop because it's close to you. And then the next year comes and the GameStop that's close to you is out of business and there's not another one for 50 miles. You've got to drive an hour away to go get your 1X like, for instance, here in San Francisco, the only GameStop that was within any reasonable distance was down on Market Street, and it's closed now. It's like, I've got to go to, like, South Bay or something like that if I want to get to a they GameStop. They have an online option, too, though. That's, that, I hate, 
I just actually did this with my old MacBook as I did like the trade in online. They, they send you the box. You put it in there. You, they send, you send it to them. They inspect it. They adjust your value. And it, it's such a cumbersome process that I would, I for this kind of thing, would want to do it in store on demand at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's just not convenient enough to do online for me at least. But for other people, mm-hmm. great if that's your jam. Yeah. You already have an Xbox though. I do. I already have a 1S and I'm fine with that for how little I play it. Uh, and the thing about this too is I thought, man, that's a really good value. And it comes with X, uh, Xbox Game Pass. And if that's if Xbox is your system, go for it. But for me, I pretty much just use it for Game Pass. And I like to pay for Game Pass one-off months. Like if I'm going to use it this month, I'll pay for it this month. And the mm-hmm. like, I don't want to pay for it for two years if I know I'm not going to use it for a few months. My question is, because they say this is a limited time offer. To, to get the upgrade. They say that the right. upgrade's to, a limited time offer. To get for, the 12-month yeah. upgrade for the Xbox One X. Yeah. You have until December But this 31st. seems like this is a program now. Like, this is a thing now. Yeah, it sounds like this it's, is just an established new way to buy Xbox. Yeah, and so I would not be surprised if that thirty ninety nine price point right there for Xbox One X, that's going to be the next console next year. That's going to be Scarlet's price point. One X will go down, and they'll still kind of keep the, the One X around at 20 bucks a month or something like that. Kind of like what they do for iPhone. Exactly. I'm sort of like, man, if going up next year and having a subscription plan to buy a next gen Xbox, that's a cool that's a cool idea. Yeah. And I think it totally is compatible with our market and how people think about buying technology nowadays that I'm like this is gotta get the attention of Sony for sure. And then here's what happens two years after Scarlet comes out, your twenty four months is up, they release Scarlet Pro. Hey, you can just continue paying the same monthly cost, but trade up to a Scarlet Pro. Yep. And that's how they get you. They keep you the most current. They and, keep you paying. Well, and here's the thing is they don't, they're not doing another quote-unquote generation. Mm-hmm. They just want to keep upgrading it. So they might just have plans to have Xbox upgrades every two years. Yeah. They just keep making it better. Keep making it better. you sub- subscribe to Xbox. That's a dope idea. Yeah, it's a dope idea. It definitely traps you in there a little bit, but... If I, well, I, I think people already kind of feel trapped on their console, like I would never get an Xbox because I'm a PlayStation person, and vice versa. Like if that happens already. I feel yeah, you're invested with your gamer score or your friends list or your trophies or whatever yep. it is. Yep, it's Xbox's way of retaining people. I love it. I'm yep. in favor of it. Hot jam. Next up, quest log for third party. Oh, let's talk about BlizzCon. Remember when Blizzard was terrible? For the last month, doesn't matter now. Let's all forgive them because they announced some really cool stuff. Oh, they have not been forgiven. I'll say that right no, now. They have not. definitely not did been you, forgiven. Did you see the statement that what's his face made right off the bat? Apologize, quote unquote, apologizing for no, um, I did Blitzchung. Yeah, so he basically apologized without ever admitting fault. They they said we reacted too quickly, um, <laughs> but didn't say sorry for how they handled it didn't undo any of what they had done he's still banned for six months he's like uh, none of like basically it was an apology that was worthless that didn't mean anything um they also i am so surprised <laughs> uh, they also lost their sponsorship from mitsubishi over the way that they handled it all too. yeah like, there's a big sponsorship loss anyway blizzcon happened there were two huge things that came out of it diablo 4 was revealed and overwatch 2 was unveiled as well. Both of these things leaked weeks before. Uh, I'm going to talk about Diablo 4. I'm going to let you talk about Overwatch 2 because I won't be able to describe it as passionately as I will Diablo 4. 
Diablo 4 was announced. Like, I'm so passionate about Overwatch. No, I can't but wait you're... to talk about it. <laughs> uh, Diablo 4 was announced with two trailers. There was a story trailer and there was a gameplay trailer. And let me tell you, this nine-minute story trailer was one of the best fucking trailers I've ever seen for a game. It got me so aroused, so, like, 106% erection watching this thing, which is weird because it was all about, like, gore and shit like that but that got me horny i'm concerned that that got you off (laughs) oh man uh so it's a it's a whole thing about introducing lilith who is the big bad she was in diablo 2 she's returning being resurrected for this but man how fucking cool was that cinematic yeah i i don't care about diablo at all because i haven't really played one before i've like nothing against i just haven't done it before but yeah that trailer was fucking amazing it was yeah also just gorgeous like holy shit really high quality cinematic especially impressive with when lilith and she has like is it like a skin cape whatever it was so the and three the guys light... are hanging and the their blood is coming out of their body oh right right yeah and it makes that blood kind of tarp in midair yeah and that's right. she's okay. being born through the tarp and then she wears their blood as a cape at the end of it that cape was one of those things where like it's just disturbing to look at but it's so fucking well lit jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) the blizzard cinematics even i think about like back to diablo 2 i was always floored by the diablo 2 cinematics and if you go back and look at screenshots of that game you're like whoa this looks like trash but then the cinematics you're like jesus christ this looks like a pixar movie 10 years before pixar was really a thing and that's not a real estimate of time but anyway it looks fucking i was always floored by how uh, cinematics from from Blizzard looked. Anyway, that looks great. It is coming sometime in the future. I think I saw a quote somewhere where they're like, "It's coming in the f- or, it's not coming for a while," and that means even Blizzards for a while. Like someone from Blizzard said, even in Blizzard time, it's going to be out in a long time. Which That's we all strange because they announced it for PS4 and Xbox One. Like, what do they do? Just oh, they it's probably did. coming to next gen consoles then. So when I heard like PS4 and Xbox One, I'm like, oh, it's going to come out. Did they specifically say those consoles, year. or did they say PlayStation and Xbox? I mean, the article said PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Interesting. Maybe that quote was. Maybe I misread that quote somewhere. Um, no, but I would. I've also read that too, though. I, I think you're you're definitely right. Yeah. Or maybe they are like Diablo Three was an, was released on both PS3 and PS4, and even that I think was after the PS4 came out. Like they released Diablo Three, and then like a year later they released the ultimate evil edition anyway um so yeah the cinematic trailer was fucking gorgeous got me in the mood watch the gameplay trailer they're returning to their roots it is dark just like the diablo 2 days a lot of criticism about diablo 3 was about like when they unveiled the art style and things like that they're like it's too cartoony it's too colorful it looks too much like wow and not enough like diablo because diablo's always been like a dark gritty demonic like things are supposed to be like spooky and scary and man does this go like hardcore into that and i love it they also um are bringing back some classes from diablo 2 they have the sorceress the barbarian and the druid and let me tell you when i saw the druid in this thing first of all the druid looks different himself but then as soon as he transformed into the werebear i was like holy shit the werebear's back and then uh, the most fun the most fun i ever had in diablo uh, diablo 2 was playing as the druid uh we did a playthrough my brother and i we used to play this game like we, we beat this game 75 times and we went through as all the different character classes uh we did a run through of druids where he played the werebear and i played the werewolf 
and you could power up each different one. And the werebear was all about like brute strength. The werewolf was all about like feral rage and infecting people and like gradually gaining things as you destroy people over time. And that was so much freaking fun. So when I saw this back, I was like, fuck yes, this is amazing. And then we also back then did a, a run through as sorceresses and he was a fire elemental one and I was an ice one. And I was like, this is fucking great too. So seeing her back, fuck it, I don't care. But there's going to be two more classes revealed sometime in the future. Uh, I can't fucking wait. I doubt they're going to do Necromancer because they revealed him as like remade for Diablo 3 and he's so he's in that one as well. But holy shit, I am so pumped for this game. The gameplay, like the I've read into like how the skill trees will work and there's like every single character does not have the traditional standard skill tree. They each have unique ones. So like the druid, as you kind of get down towards the bottom of one, he can kind of go across different trees. So you can get down and do the most powerful werebear skill. And then you can also then jump across and do the most powerful werewolf skill. Whereas the sorceress has like one main thing and then it branches into three other ones. And you can't kind of jump between them like you can. For the- so the way they're handling all of that is really cool. I'm pumped as shit. I can't wait to forgive them for Blitzchung so that I can feel not guilty about <laughs> buying this thing and playing it with so many people. <laughs> Um, I want to read a couple of things about this. One, Blizzard's official description of the game. Diablo 4 takes place many years after the events of Diablo 3, after millions have been slaughtered by the actions of the high heavens and burning hells alike. In the vacuum of power, a legendary name resurfaces. Lilith. And then the next one, uh, uh, talking about Diablo 4, there are a couple of things here. It will not be able to be played offline. It's always connected, which I assume is why it's not on Switch. Um, it said, we are not going to support an offline mode, but as I said before, nothing in Diablo 4 is going to require partying up. You can play solo, and dungeons are private, and campaign quest areas will also remain private. And the reason for this is that it looks like they're implementing a little bit more of MMO elements into it. There is, like, a, a shared overworld of sorts, similar to something you might see in, like, Destiny 2, where you're running around and you can see other Guardians running around as well. And it looks like there's going to be like public event style things that are just happening in the world that you can all stumble onto a big monster or a big quest or something like that. And you can all take it out together. Uh, but apparently it's not going to be like as many people as you might see there. You'll run into a handful of people every once in a while in the shared overworld. But again, you can play it solo, but you have to be online for that. Um, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I feel like it gives you a little bit more reason to keep playing it aside from just like squatting up with people and raiding through different um, post-game stuff. I also really like, sorry, this is getting really nerdy about it. I like the fact that the end game content, they said they're going to be focusing on legendaries and new powerful versions of the legendaries you can get over time rather than focusing on set items. Because before set items are like, if I have five of the same set all from the same boss, then I get all of these bonuses. But they might not necessarily be the best items. Maybe I want this really cool customizable axe or something like that, but it doesn't fit in the set that I've got. So like, I'm not going to use it. So this is now focusing more on legendary items being more powerful. So you can kind of customize better and swap and match different items. <sighs> Holden. There's also mounts. You can ride mounts in the overworld as well. Oh, I'm so pumped for Diablo 4 when it comes all over my face. So question for you. Yeah. They're making a big deal about this being open world as well. What does that mean to you as a Diablo fan? Does that speak to you at all? Because knowing what I know about the game, open world seems like an interesting choice. Um, It's... So Diablo has always been kind of like quest based and it's not, it is pretty linear, but there have always been like side quests you can pick up and things like that. But it's already, I think the biggest change will be that everything about Diablo has always been randomly generated. It hasn't like you go out into, um, 
an overworld level and it's different one time, then you quit the game, come back, it's completely different. The dungeons are all randomly generated as well. So I think something we'll have to change for this is that maybe the overworld has to be static and there have to be common places and then maybe the dungeons themselves are still randomly generated. And that's part of the experience is like, ooh, I can't wait to explore this and figure out what's behind every corner. And um, So I don't know. The I don't think it's going to be too much of a gameplay-changing thing to make it open world other than just making the overworld itself static rather than randomly generated for you mm-hmm. and your party it would have to be a static overworld if they're going to do the shared events yeah and all that stuff but they also announced overwatch 2 yeah they did they did can you talk about that yeah which was surprising to me but let's go through it so they announced overwatch 2 it's basically going to have different modes from overwatch 1 where it's going to have a story mode now that kind of focuses on the quote null sector which is a robot force that i guess they've uh, fought against in short films that were released since the release of the first game. They like, introduced new characters, a little short film for that character, and it kind of had this little plot, I guess, about these, this robot force we're fighting against. So we have a story about that now. There's also going to be like, player versus everyone modes, where it used to be player versus player in all the online modes on Overwatch 1. Now they're going to have like story missions you can play with your friends and also replayable hero missions. Um, and it sounds like this is not... It's kind of odd calling it Overwatch 2 because A, they're still supporting Overwatch 1. The multiplayer is backwards compatible with Overwatch 1 and 2. Yeah, I you, thought that was a cool touch. It was a good touch, yeah, because that was one thing that was... When I first heard about this, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense because they basically said outright, we're never going to make Overwatch 2 because we're just going to keep building off of Overwatch 1. And they've kind of had their cake and they ate it too. They kind of have the the best of both worlds there, where they made Overwatch 2, they're adding new stuff to it, but it really just kind of a continuation of the first game that you don't have to buy the new game for. All the new content, right. all the new characters um, that are focused on that 6 versus 6 um, uh, uh, hero uh, shooter gameplay that's in the first game, that's just the, it's the same thing that's in the second game. I think that was a really smart stuff. move, because it doesn't isolate what made them incredibly successful and popular. Like they have their yeah. esports tournament, like an entire most of esports is either around League of Legends or Overwatch. Well, I don't know. There's yeah. probably a lot of other stuff out there too. But anyway, Overwatch it's is huge esports. That's it. <laughs> so they don't have to say, "Oh, well, we've got to discontinue this to move on to Overwatch Two, and all of you got to learn a yep. new game." It's like, no, that can still be its own thing. Overwatch League mm-hmm. is its own thing still, and then we also have PVE content. Yeah, uh, like uh, Diablo Four is coming to PS4. Xbox One and PC, no release date, but it's also coming to Switch as well. Yep. Day and date. We'll see how that plays out. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> yep. So far, every company that said, and it's releasing the same day on Switch, it's always been delayed on Switch. So they pulled off a miracle by doing what they did with Overwatch 2, not getting in the way of Overwatch 1. Can they pull off a miracle and have <laughs> released on the Switch the same day? We'll see. Did they give a release date for this at all, or a window? Or Nope. Nope. Nothing. It'll, it'll probably be next year, I'd imagine. Nah. But I also said that about Diablo 4 until I heard that they said, not anytime soon, even for Blizzard time. Yeah. Anyway, we have some earning call stuff to talk about. Both yeah, Nintendo we do. and Sony. Let's Sony, Sony Quest first. Log. Uh, so yeah, there's a Sony earnings call. And we have a lot of fun numbers. And then something that looks like it was a leak from just an idiot. starting out with the ps4 has outsold the original playstation and the wii says sam byford at the verge uh ps4 has officially sold 102.8 million units and uh, i'm sure that's going to skyrocket up after black friday deals and the holiday season as well it is the second best selling home console of all time uh behind the ps2 which has 155 million i don't think it's ever going to reach that 
No. But uh, yeah, it's if you it is number four if you count handheld systems behind the DS and the Game Boy. Uh, soup's cool. Way to go, PS4. And then uh, something else that kind of came out of that that was alluded to is that PlayStation may be looking to acquire more studios beyond Insomniac, says Ricky Fretch from DualShockers. Um, so this is basically just speculation based on something that was kind of hinted at in the earnings call. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how they're kind of building up their first party to really make a PlayStation 5 launch super great and then really make that generation all about exclusives, similar to how this one kind of ended up that way. And I'm excited to see what they do from there. Have we yeah, ever talked I, about I, like what studios we think they should acquire? I was just going to say, my I have a guess on this one. I, I'm pretty pretty certain it's going to be Bluepoint. I would love for it to be Bluepoint. And you know, when they announced PlayStation 5, the only studio to say anything about it was Bluepoint. Yep. They've also... I was looking at what games they've made, and there were some surprising outliers. Like, they actually made Titanfall for a 360, which I forgot even came to 360. Oh, yeah. Um, but so they, they did that. Oh, hit something. They did that, um, but they've mostly done collections or... Uh, upscales for PS2 games coming to PS3 or, you know, just ports, basically. But they did the Shadow of the Colossus game, and then before that, they did like, the Nathan Drake collection, and they did something else, actually. I want to look this up now. They did something else as well, but they they just been doing a lot of Sony stuff. Yeah. And Sony seems to be partnering them, and then getting them Shadow of the Colossus and, like, really making a game from the ground up might have been a test. Like, hey, make a game. Like I know it's still basically a uh, a port, but it's not. It's it's a full on. They remade yeah. Shadow of the Colossus from the ground up, and it was a huge success. Sony's clearly proud of it. They even included Shadow of the Colossus as one of their like exclusive on PS4. Like look at these fancy covers. Like they included oh, yeah. it there. Like they're I think they're proud of Blue Point. But I'm gonna I'm looking it up again because there's a game I'm like oh they did that as well. Some Probably things that like Blue Point right off the bat seem games. like they would be obvious acquisitions would be like Quantic Dream or Team Eco. But like at this point, like Quantic Dream now has expanded to sell their stuff on Steam. And I feel like they're moving away from Sony exclusives. And then we also have... They uh, were just bought recently too, remember? Were they? Yeah, I remember that's how other games are on PC now because someone else owns them. Quantic Dream? I'm pretty certain, yeah. Oh. Uh, And then Team Eco. But then I think he posted his... Like, whatever his new project, kind of in the vein of Eco and Shadow of the Colossus and Last Guardian. I think it's going to be similar to that in the job posting that he had mentioned, but also coming to multiple platforms as well, I think. So I don't know if that's going to be... Or... The Chinese internet conglomerate NetEase secured a minority investment in Quantic Dream. That's what happened. Gotcha. That's, so that's not, right. They got funding so that they could put it on... That's right. Yeah. Um... So what if they acquired... I know that they just got fully formed. What if they acquired Kojima Studio? I mean, we know it's coming to PC, know, published by 505 Games, as we mentioned earlier, but what if that... There have also been rumors that it's coming to Xbox One, Death Stranding is, so I don't know I don't know how closely intertwined those two are, but they seem... They gave them carte blanche. They let them use the Decima engine from Horizon Zero Dawn, I think for free. Yeah. They have some kind of partnership going. I wonder if they, they were just like, hey, they listen to Death Stranding. Let's, let's keep it within the family. Let's incest they, the shit out of this. They might want to see how Death Stranding performs first. Yeah. They're certainly pushing they, it from a marketing point. Let's see how it performs, though. Oh, yeah. And based on the reviews, we'll talk about the reviews in a second. Um, 
well, not in a second, but we'll we'll get to them. I'm curious your thoughts on this this rumor right here because it's like combining two of your favorite things: Horizon Zero Dawn and VR. Yeah, so this one report, Horizon Zero Dawn VR version, is in the works from ZarminaCon at PlayStation Lifestyle. There is a a guy who used to work at Oculus and Sandbox HQ, um, who his name is Callum Hurley, and he tweeted what he thought was going to be an instant tweet that nobody was going to see, was recently made aware of a very exciting new PlayStation VR game coming out of London Studio. London Studio most recently did um, the uh, Truth... Fuck. Blood and Truth? Blood... I can't remember. It's the it's the shooty game from London Studio. <laughs> I think it's Blood <laughs> really and Truth. really notable game. Uh, it's the one I that I got... You keep going. I got like an hour into it, hit a game-breaking bug, and never got around to going back in it, but I loved what I played of it. Anyway... They also did the London shooty game, the demo in the very beginning for VR Worlds that everyone loved too. Uh, He says, I'm not sure whether it'll be for PS4 or PS5 or both, but it's really exciting and an announcement could be on the horizon and horizons capitalized. And then the press picked it up. Uh, Press picked it up, went crazy, went viral, and he replied with a series of tweets. Wow, news outlets jumped on this pretty quickly. Was hoping to keep this tweet fun and vague, but I know devs hate it when their stuff leaks and I feel a tad bad. Allow me to clear up one thing. I did not see the game firsthand. Trust the person who told me about it. And then he also said, I apologize to anyone working on the game who was upset about the leak. I did not expect anyone to see my tweet besides a few friends who are VR players. I do not have a large (laughs) following and did not expect the coverage. I look forward to the official reveal when everyone can see what the actual game is. I did not get this info because I am an industry person. I just happened to know someone who playtested the title. He also is an industry person. (laughs) just want to say like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> he worked for oculus that, that kind of makes you just a person uh blood and truth is the game blood so and truth right. that's what i said yeah. yeah 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 um uh i can see the potential of this game so fucking much i think it has to be it has to be its own crafted experience i don't think you can take horizon zero dawn one and port it to vr i also think Case it has to be Breath of the wild exactly yeah i also think it has to be a ps5 thing it has to have better hardware it has to have whatever vr2 is um because yeah. i just don't think that the technology is there with the current psvr setup to make some because part of what is so amazing of that game is the scale how beautiful it is it's always a demo for people for hdr and to take so much of what makes that game great the facial expressions while people are talking and then to dumb it down just to make it in vr i don't think is a good idea so yeah i think it has to run on more powerful hardware so it's got to be a ps5 thing but London Studio has done some really great things with uh, Blood and Truth, like their implementation of the PlayStation Aim controller and like all the mechanics using the two move controllers. Like with what they've got access to hardware wise, they've done some pretty cool stuff. Also, I think it also would be a killer, uh, the killer app for P- PSVR is a huge property that everyone already loves that's available in VR that's own tailored experience. I'm not talking Resident Evil 7 where it was just the same game. Right. Like, this is something VR only. You have to play this in is VR. The that's a, a big thing. Batman Arkham VR mm-hmm. where that was PlayStation exclusive for a year. But it's like, you know you like Batman Arkham stuff. This is its own Batman experience. I know it's only like an hour long or two hours long. But it's like its own Batman thing for PSVR. It's a reason for you to get in and try something out that you know you're going to love. Although I hope this is more than two hours and I hope it's a full-fledged thing. I feel like you'd have to, but then again, yeah, because it's something about Batman. In that stage, like they were purposefully saying, we're just partnering with a lot of studios, making a lot of short experiences to see what sticks, see what people like. 
at this point, they have enough information to be like, let's make something big and meaty and robust from a first-party studio. Mm-hmm. And Horizons, I think, is a good IP for that. Yeah, can you imagine all the Definitely. bows and traps and fucking... Or even just the, the cool like, environments that... I, I mean, I haven't beaten the game, but I've seen enough like footage of the game to be like, that would be a cool environment to explore for real. Yeah. Depending on wh- what this game ends up being. If it's like Rush of Blood, that'd be hugely disappointing. <laughs> hey, Rush of Blood was good, damn it. But like if it was an on-rail shooter using Horizon Zero Dawn <laughs> as the, the as the uh the IP, that would be really bad. I hope it's like a Pokemon uh, I, Snap, but with Horizon enemies. Take a picture I still of the walker. <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> um I just can't get over him thinking that this tweet wouldn't have garnered attention. Right? Like if like I feel like if anyone tweeted out, for example, like, hey, listen, I heard Nintendo's working on a game you all might be interested in. Listen, listen. Like, <laughs> you're talking about Zelda that's going to get attention. Like, this this is even less vague than what I just said. Like, I hear they're working on a game for this system, and it could be for these consoles, and it's of this IP, but don't and read too much into that. we're capitalize the word Horizon. Yeah. No, it's, it's obviously <laughs> Forza Horizon 5. Obviously, yes. PlayStation's working on Xbox's title for PSVR. Yep. And they actually switched. Gran Turismo's coming on Xbox now. Sony wants Forza. They just switched it. They switched it up. No, you mis- you misunderstood that. They're working on a PSVR title coming to Switch exclusively of Xbox. It's it's a Switch cardboard VR thing only. Oh, Developed by PlayStation did- using Xbox IP for I Switch hardware. That. Yeah. I did miss that. Speaking of Switch hardware, Test Switch Lite selling pretty well. Ooh! Don't want to do this. Want to do this? <laughs> Sorry, you said that so enthusiastically. I thought you were going to keep going. Go. No, I was. Yeah, well, you're the host this week, so you should do. But if you want me to do, it, I can do it. I can Hostess. do it, Chad. Where's the cream filling? Yeah, take me through the Nintendo stuff. So Nintendo Switch Lite sold 1.95 million uh, units in 11 days. This comes from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. So as I just said, Switch Lite sold about 2 million units. Link's Awakening sold 3.13 million units. Fire Emblem, 2.29. I found some other sites that said 1.7 with Firehouse Emblem. So just Firehouse Emblem. Firehouse Emblem. Uh, do you remember um, Firehouse Fire Emblems? That place was good. I don't remember that at all. Um, Super Mario Maker 2, not 1, sold 3.93 million units. And the Switch hardware sales for the past six months are up 36% from the last year, which was 7 million units this year. And then in the same time frame, the software sales are up 38%, which is now at 58.49 million units. And notably, digital game sales are up 83%. So they're selling more software. Most of that's coming from digital, it looks like. So that's Hot. exciting. And then the overall profit for the company was up 53% from 2018. So they're doing pretty damn well. They're doomed. One stat... They're doomed. They're doing so well. They're doomed. They can't. They can't sustain. Uh, the I thought this was an inter- interesting stat. This comes from Alistair Wong at Silicon Era. Fifty-seven percent of Switch Lite buyers are new to the Switch. Forty-three percent, the remainder, already own Switch. So we were kind of talking. I had already been kind of. I was. I was. I'll be honest. I was definitely mocking someone who'd be like, "I already own a Switch. I'm going to buy it." Yes, Chad, I'm looking <laughs> at you. <laughs> yep. Why would you do that? But I'm clearly I. That's- I one in every two switch on, people. switch light owners is a person who already has one. Yeah, that really is surprising to me. Now um, that might be I, like a dad and his daughter or something like that, but yeah, I mean, my brother's gonna listen to this podcast, so I can just go ahead and say this: my dad got one already for for my brother for Christmas. So, like, definitely that will be a thing. 
Uh, be- it's I almost be bought thing because that. my dad bought one. That's the reason it's definitely a thing. <laughs> the Pokemon edition of the Switch Lite went live today with pre-orders. And I, like, instinctively, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll get it. And I was like, no, stop it. You don't even know if you're going to like those Zachary horses yet. <laughs> and then I didn't get it. But when yeah. the right one comes, I'm getting it. The It has not, this is, I don't have this in the notes here, but it has not taken away from the normal Switch either is what it looks like. The normal Switch is still actually the better selling Switch, which that that surprises me, to be honest. Excuse me. I'm very burpy today. Ooh, I hate burpees. Yeah, but you got to do them. They're good for you. Got to do them. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear the Switch Lite is doing well. There was some initial talk when it was first when it was first released that maybe it wasn't selling that well, but not the case. Not true. Nope. Now this next part I thought was interesting. During the call, Nintendo made comments about 3DS and remakes of older handheld titles. So starting with the 3DS stuff, then we'll go to the handheld titles. Quote, for the Nintendo 3DS family, we will continue to fully utilize the platform's rich software library to appeal to consumers purchasing game hardware for the first time, while continuing to drive sales of evergreen titles that leverage the hardware install base. That's from an article from Nintendo Life by Ryan Craddock. Um, basically saying we're going to bring over popular game franchises from 3DS that aren't on Switch yet. So I actually went to uh, Wikipedia, because they usually have good lists of like the top 50 selling games per console. And I just went through. And most of these games are already on Switch already, of the top 50. There's most only the a handful that aren't. The franchises, yeah. Yeah, so I games. went through and included all the franchises that are already on Switch. Um, ones that are not on Switch yet, uh, Tamadashi uh, Life, which Whoa. seems like it has to happen. That was number 10. I mean, I believe it. It's like it. 6 million copies, yeah. But, like, remember Mitomo? I don't know anything about <laughs> Tamadashi Life, but I assume it's the same as Mitomo. <laughs> it's a little bit different. It's more like a life simulator. Nintendogs is not on Switch yet. Paper Mario is not on Switch yet. Mario and Luigi isn't, but that studio's having some problems, so yep. we'll see about that. Uh, Kingdom Hearts isn't. I know that's not like a Nintendo franchise, but I feel like there's got to be a Kingdom Hearts game on Switch at some point. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. And then Kid Icarus. That seems to be one people really want is Kid Icarus. But most of the other IPs are already there. I'm already there. Take so, a look around. There's that. Then there's also, um, this also from Alistair Wong at Silicon Era, Nintendo president um, Furukawa on the company's stance towards remaking handheld games. He said basically that they, if they're going to bring an IP from an older handheld, they want to do something new with that and not just simply remake the game. But then he, I feel, this is just my subjective opinion here, I kind of feel like he contradicted that. Because then he said, like, for example, how Link's Awakening is both nostalgic and new. Um, that I would consider just a direct remake. That of, was shot for shot remake with just new character yeah. models. Like, if only, if having a new art style and chamber dungeons is enough to make a game brand new... The bar is pretty low as far as I'm Did you concerned. fucking do anything with those chamber dungeons? I did it until I realized I didn't want to do it, which didn't take that long. <laughs> <laughs> All so, right. not a whole lot. So, basically what this means is that Nintendo's not really going to tell you shit until they decide to announce a game. So, be ex- just expect some big uh, handheld titles from the GBA, the Game Boy Color, Game Boy uh, Pocket, all that stuff. DS. There'll be some games from that coming over to Switch. Um, oh, two more that were not on that list of popular 3DS games. 
WarioWare. There hasn't been a WarioWare game yet. And mm. I would be floored if there was no WarioWare game coming to Switch, considering the Joy-Cons are ripe for some mini game or micro game madness. Yeah, like, I feel like people were when it launched, like one two Switch, one two Switch should have been a WarioWare game. Yeah, so I feel like that's going to happen. And then Brain Age is another one that's not on this list, including the top selling 3DS games, but that's obviously coming to Switch. Yeah. So. So, so Nintendo's yeah. doing good, and you'll get some 3DS stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how's Death Stranding doing? That's good. Main, main quest. quest. Death Stranding reviews are in from everyone but us, because we don't have an early copy of them, and we don't have 50 <laughs> hours to play before ever it comes out. Great. Good sentences, <laughs> me. Uh, yeah, we just want to talk about all the reviews that have been kind of out. I've read through a lot of things. I've listened to podcasts, just discussions about them. And we just kind of want to touch base and see where we are, how we're feeling about Death Stranding post-mortem. Yeah. Post-mortem for people, pre-mortem for us. (laughs) Normally, I don't like to look at reviews for games anymore just because I'll be talking about games. I don't want to like... I want it to be my own opinion. Yeah. But in in this case, I just kind of needed to know what the game is. (laughs) And I feel like... Yep. I, I I needed to know what is the moment to moment. We've seen that gameplay footage, and it turns out that gameplay footage was the game. <laughs> that there really wasn't that much that we were missing inside the story context that they don't want to spoil for you anyway. Um, but I'm not surprised. The reviews are pretty. It, it's pretty polarizing. People either seem to love it. I don't know if they're polarizing. I feel like I read more into it. Like they're giving it like honestly better scores than I expected. Like it's in mm-hmm. it's in the eighties, like I think mid to high eighties on Metacritic, um, and I I didn't expect that from it, but people are giving it that score and then caveating the fuck out of it. Well, but there are some studios like IGN gave it a six point eight. That was the lowest score I saw. Yeah, was yeah. IGN six point eight? But like Games GameSpot, I almost stop again. GameSpot gave it a nine. Uh, a bunch of places are giving it like five out of five stars however the fuck they choose to rate it. But a lot of places are giving it really good scores. And then if you read the reviews or you listen to their discussions, they're like, <laughs> but like, it's, if you like this type of game, like make sure you go into it and not expecting this. And like, it's also an art thing, but it's really good. And then you're going to spend a lot of time being bored and like 10 hours <laughs> in, you're not going to know why you're playing it. But when you hit 45, you're going to love it. But only if you like this. So a lot of people are, are saying it's really, really great for maybe a very specific audience if you're into that type but of game. A lot of people are saying that. And even the, like, yeah, the IGN what, like, 6.8 is saying that exact same thing. Right, they just gave it a lower score. So I was surprised yeah. to see the high scores with that caveat on almost all of them. Yeah, there but are some viewers like who do that, love the game, though. I have seen yeah. a few that love the game. Yeah, that was... So I listened the big. I listened to like a two-hour, I think it was, discussion from Kind of Funny, and a lot of people there played it. They had uh, Imran Khan, they had Fran Mirabella... They had Andy Cortez, Tim Geddes, Kevin Coelho, and Greg Miller. All of them played it. And Greg Miller was the only person on the entire cast who was like, I love this game. And I played it for like 35 hours trying to rush through for the embargo. And I wish that I got to spend more time with it. All the way down to the opposite end of the spectrum where Tim is like, I spent two hours playing it. And was like, nope, not for me. And everyone else was kind of in the middle. Like, I beat it. I played it for 45 hours, but I don't know if I liked it. And blah, blah. So it was... It was so interesting to see all of their different perspectives on it. And then you go and listen to something like Podcast Beyond, uh, or you go and read reviews from IGN or Game Informer and things like that, and you see everyone being pretty positive, but still with so many negative caveats. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I I don't know what to make of it because it's like if you're saying these things about the game, why not give it a lower score? Like, and maybe it's one of the things we haven't played it yet either. Like, it right. might be one of those things where it's like, oh, I totally see where they're going with this. Um, but there is a caveat, but that doesn't outweigh that caveat does not outweigh the really positive thing I see in the game. And it kind of reminded me of like Breath of the Wild in that sense of like I get why you were bored by it, but I think the things that I agree with you were boring didn't outweigh the things I really loved about that game. So I'm kind yeah. of thinking that might be what we're in store for here. Um, did this make you more curious than ever to play the game, though? I'm more curious than ever now to play this game. Uh, yes. Uh, this made me realize that no matter what my experience with it, I want to play it. Whereas previous mm-hmm. previous trailers and things like that, I flip flop like I don't care about this game. To I'm actually really interested in this game. To like, well, I don't know what the fuck I think about this game anymore. But now this has made me know I do want to play it. I don't know whether I'll like it, but I'm curious enough of what people are saying. I'm I'm really enjoying from everything I'm reading and hearing is the themes of the game, like the social media system, how that all works and how it makes you feel really good. And like, it's all about positivity and sharing and being helpful to other people. Uh, I'm enjoying the, um, like the idea of connection between everyone and the story that kind of takes you through all of that. And then even some of the combat stuff that apparently is rare, but you get through a large chunk of the game and you finally do kind of get into almost a metal gear type play style. Like that all sounds like something that I might like. And so I'm curious enough now to play it and I'm, I officially did pre-order it, so it's waiting. Mm-hmm. It'll download on the fifth. I have a feeling, and again, I, I, I'm not you, but I have a feeling that you're gonna have a similar complaint as you had Breath of the Wild. Is that like, there's a lot of things you liked about it, but the long traversal and just taking so long to get from one space to the other uh, place, and it sounds like the game gets harder by making the distances longer. I think that's going to be hard for you. I think it's also going to be hard for me. Yeah. Because I, I have no problem with, like, uh, like Dark Souls, for example. It can be a little, um, it can be a little grindy. It can be a little, like, okay, I need to take my time and kind of get through this. But it's consistently engaging throughout all of this. And I don't know if avoiding rocks and maintaining my balance is going to be engaging enough while making these really long treks. I also really haven't heard an example of what is a long trek. Is the long trek, are you spending an hour walking from one place to another place, or is it like five minutes? I can deal well, with five I think, minutes. I think that can depend on whether or not someone's left a very important ladder for you, or whether you've paved yeah. an entire road using all the equipment mm-hmm. you've bought, or whether you yeah. choose to take out an entire group of the bad guys, or whether you choose to sneak through it instead. It's like, I think that can differ based on a yeah. bunch of different factors. That's the part that has me the most excited, though. As those being talked about, this is something that I inferred based on what people were saying, but it seems like everyone's working together to kind of alter this world. Maybe to the extent where if we were to play this game in five years, you might be able to walk on paved roads the entire way between these different places because everyone has worked together to get to that point. Well, apparently the timefall rain deteriorates things over time. Oh, does it? Yeah, so you'll get a notification. It's like, hey, your road that you paved seven hours ago is deteriorating and you can choose to go back and fix it up or you can let it just kind of fall apart. So it could stay. Could stay if everybody kept their shit up. Yeah. Interesting. That's actually, that's a good mechanic. It's like the blood moon. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Curious is a very good word for it. 
I'm yeah. and I know based on everything that I've read and heard so far, I have to put like at least ten to fifteen hours into it before I make any kind of decision about it, even if I hate the mm-hmm. first ten to fifteen hours. Lord yeah. knows if I'm going to play fourteen hours of Metro fucking Exodus, I can play <laughs> ten to fifteen hours of Death Stranding. <laughs> Well, we'll have our impressions, our initial impressions next week. Next week, so. yep. We're gonna. I'm gonna get it on Friday. I'm gonna try my best to play it all day Saturday, and then a little bit on Sunday before we record. We might have a special guest next week to talk about it with us. We'll see if that works out. Uh, Their person may or may not be Hideo Kojima. I'm not making oh! any promises. <laughs> and then I think, based on based on how next week goes. If we're liking it and we're digging it and we feel like we're going to finish it, I think at the end of the month or maybe the beginning of December is enough time for people to have played 40 to 50 hours and have like a full breakdown spoiler discussion about it. Yep. Dope. Great. Dope, Are you dope, excited dope. for Death Stranding? Have you pre-ordered it? Are you going to play it? Let us know. Respawn Empire on Twitter. And also go to Patreon. Speaking of reaching out to us, you can do that if you want to ask us questions, suggest topics, etc. Uh, for things of discussion, you can do a Ryan subscriber interrogative. How do you do that? Just tweet fucking anything at us. At Respawn Name Fire, and we'll talk about it. Uh, there was none for this week, but um, next week there will be one. If I have to go and fucking rip it out of somebody's throat myself, someone <laughs> will ask us something. <laughs> <laughs> If not, I will make something up and I will credit one of you listeners with it. (laughs) (laughs) And then finally, let's wrap up today with Game on Game Show. The game on our gaming show where we play a game called Game On and we all have a game show and game, 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 game. This week, we have a returning segment called Video Game Would You Rather. I know Holden just got a little tiny chub in his pants because he loves Would You Rather. We've got three situations today we're just going to talk about that are video game related and we will choose the option which best suits our wants and our desires but not our expectations because those are different things um <laughs> starting with starting with i number resent one, that <laughs> i resemble that remark would you rather write ign wikis for games that you love or only be able to play games you love for one hour per day wait one more time your options are, would you rather write IGN wikis for games that you love or only be able to play games that you love for one hour per day? So the first option, they no, see I, some I, positives I in there yeah. that like, well, I get to play things that I love and it's awesome and I get to like delve deep into everything. But then there's also the, the point of view that like that kind of destroys the gameplay experience for you because you have to marathon through it at launch before people get it. You have to not play it the way you want to play it because you have to find every fucking thing in that game. But it's a game you love, and you get to play it, and that's your job, and it's wonderful. I would do that because it's only for games I love. I yep. would do that because that's what I do anyway without the posting it to you know, wiki guides. Oh, really? Do you? How many platinum trophies do you have, sir? One. <laughs> but Nintendo games don't have platinum trophies. So those are the games that I love. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. God of War is wonderful. <laughs> i think i would have to do only play games you love for one hour per day because here's how i'm going to game the system that i just came up with right now i have multiple games that i love that i can play one hour of each in a day boom 
there you go. Now, I can't do what I did this week, like sit down and play. I'm going to play Destiny 2 for just like a half hour. I'm just going to finish up this one quest that I'm working on. Six hours later, <laughs> I've got my light level up. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> but I can jump in and do a quest in Destiny. And then I can't think of anything that I'm playing right now that I loved. Because everything I came into this week, I was like, I didn't enjoy my time with this. But anyway, See, here's you know why I, I wouldn't mean. like that option. Because, like, all right, I love Breath of the Wild, and I love that I could just spend 50... I, I The first weekend, I think I spent 50 hours playing that game because I took the whole weekend off of work so I could just play that game and only taking breaks to eat, sleep, and shit, and that's it. Like, Dude, I'd nice. play that and game you didn't even non-stop. leave the couch to do all of those. I do. Well, I brought my Switch <laughs> in the bathroom with me. <laughs> There's no time without um, Zelda. So, like, I loved it, and I loved it because I can get so absorbed in it. Where I feel like if I only had the opportunity to play it for an hour... I wouldn't love the game anymore because I can't spend as much time to really get it fully absorbed into it. Yeah, I see that. I see that. That's that's how I sees the world, at least. <clears throat> nice. Number two. Would you rather get a really cool power, but you have to wear a really stupid looking suit to use it? Think the Tanuki suit. So you see, you have to be a superhero. Suit. No, 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 no. I'm thinking like Mario <laughs> upgrades. Like you got to dress up like a fucking raccoon in order to fly. Oh. Or you got to have okay. a cat suit to do whatever the fuck the cat suit does. Or have a really cool power, but you only have a few uses before you have to go find it again. I would take wearing the ridiculous suit, which is strange because it's not like me. But I have a super cool power. So it's like, hey, fuck you. I know I look like a cat, but like, can you you know you fly froze. i didn't think so you're gone and no one will question it you're gone you're completely gone I now lost okay. chat. ah there you are there you're back you're there back. you are uh, let's let's remind you to get you uh, an ethernet cable for next week <laughs> um, it hasn't been a problem this like this before though oh it has been a problem all episode today you've just been like i can see the yeah, note so I-, I assume you're reading what's on the note and i hope that's what comes out of your mouth and it seems like it's been working but my fun. point is like previous weeks it hasn't been this bad oh yeah well Things change, hold I know what's going on. Don't fear change. There you go. You just broke up right there. Uh, so why would you say you would choose a suit? Because even if I look like an idiot, I can do badass shit. Someone's like, man, you look really dumb in that cat. So I'm like, yeah, but can you fly? I can fly. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, know, you look really dumb in your human suit anyway, so might as well. <laughs> I do look, I'm just kidding. I look really I'm dumb anyway. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> um... It would be normal. It would be no change at all for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I would... Uh, depends on how hard it is to find the thing. Like, if I know, oh, I can get this from a block that's on Castro and Market down the street, then great, I can go find it again. And if I'm, like, on vacation somewhere else, I'm like, fuck, well, now I just can't use it until I get there. But then also, you have to physically bring the suit with you everywhere that you want to use it. Like, oh my god, I really wish I could go invisible. Oh, but I left my suit at oh, home. Oh, so if I choose the multiple, like, I only have a set number of uh, uses, I can re-up those uses by finding the power again. Right, exactly. Well, that's the obvious answer, because I, I technically could have a limit of those, so I can just keep refinding it. You can, but you can't have it on demand like you can if, with a suit if you bring the suit with you everywhere. Okay, I missed that aspect to it, and that does change things. Yeah. And it's a... Uh, it's a suit that has to fit over your whole body like a tanuki suit. So it's not something you can just hide in a briefcase. <laughs> it's like a full on like, furry costume. I could just wear a cat costume like underneath my normal clothes. It's like, well, you got <laughs> nope. fat all of a sudden. Like, no, no, it has no, to be just... like high school mascot type suit. 
<laughs> you want to what? If I could fly, I think I'd still do that. Because, like, fuck it. I can fly. Like, you going to question my cat suit? I think, yeah, I think I would, I think I would have to find it. I would find it. Because I'm, if I had to bring the suit with me, then I would have to plan out in advance when I wanted to use it. Because I'm not going to carry that thing everywhere. And if I'm going to plan that far ahead, I might as well not look dumb and just plan to go grab that from the street corner or wherever I'm going to find it before that day comes when I want to use it. So I have to plan ahead anyway. Might as well just look good doing it. I just think I get used to just being like, I want to wear a cat suit all the time so I can fly all the time. You also get cold down there in your basement. And what if your superpower is like to melt into a puddle of goo? And then that's my superpower. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We're just assuming it's fly, but who knows? Oh no! Watch out! It's Goo Man. <laughs> it's Goo Weezy. We'll see? never be able to rob this bank anymore. <laughs> Number three: Would you rather die every twenty-one minutes and be brought back to life, like Die Hard Man from Death Stranding, or one time in your life for six minutes only? You have to be transformed into a tiny camera and shoved up Tom Nook's ass for a colonoscopy and then report back on what you find. <laughs> Just a one-time thing. That's it. Or die every 21 minutes for the rest of your life. I'll take the six minutes. Oh, fucking kill me, baby. Fucking kill me. Fuck Tom Nook. I don't want to be up that dude's asshole. I don't want anything to do with Animal Crossing. I don't like raccoons or squirrels. What is he? He's stupid anyway. The way I look at it is 21 minutes to get really annoying after a while. It's only six minutes, and I, I'd love some more Animal Crossing before the new game comes out. So. <laughs> what if that's the new Animal Crossing? Is this just the view of the inside of Tom Nook's asshole? It is it's the like, Animal Crossing colonoscopy game. It's, I'm so confused. Why is this Animal Crossing game rated AO? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and why is it only six minutes of like this pinkish dark thing, and then it just disappears? <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of oh, that's so like gross. five out of five scores with copy. But any Animal Crossing is good. Animal Crossing game, yeah. You get like the review scores are like five out of five with like copy. It's like it's a good Animal Crossing game, but like it's it's like a different Animal Crossing <laughs> game than you might be used to. And and I can see how some people get bored of this Animal Crossing game or be un- uncomfortable with it. <laughs> but for those of you who really love buttholes, you're in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for game on game show and that is it for our episode this week reminder destiny raid go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire if you're raiding with us comment what did i say to comment with oh la ciudad de mexico with the appropriate accents on the right letters um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can also go there subscribe for one dollar more if you want to play with us on every thursday night and other nights also uh and then get cool artwork Responding Fire Star Wars thing in celebration of Last Jedi is this month's artwork, but you also get all the previous month's stuff as well. Last Jedi. What did I say? Jedi Fallen Order. That's the one. Jedi Fallen Order. And then guess We're what? Celebrating you can Star fucking, Wars two years ago. You can you can sport it again the following month for Force Awakens. Great, awesome. You can. You can. You can recycle. It's good for the earth. Good for the environment. <laughs> uh, and then also pick up Undertale. Start playing that this month. That's it. For Respawn Aim Fire, episode 133, I've been Chad Michael Innes. That's been Holden DePardo. And until next, next time, week, I'll be someone else, though. Next week, you're going to be Scoot McDuggins. <laughs> Scoot McDuggins. <laughs> until yes. next week, here's our usual sign off. My name is Scoot McDuggins. <laughs> Look at me. My name is Scoot. Fucking people named Scoot, man. <laughs>